Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. This morning, I'm starting a new series. It'll be four Sundays long. It'll end September the 10th. And we're talking about what would Jesus say? In this culture and in this environment, what would Jesus say? You know, when we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we recognize that each of the four reveal a distinct aspect of the nature and the character of Jesus Christ. Matthew was written to the Jews. It has a very Hebrew perspective. His point in that Gospel is to reveal Jesus as the Messiah of the Jewish nation and the Hebrew people. Mark shows him as the suffering son of man, shows him what he endures, the price that was paid for your sins and for mine and for our redemption. Luke goes on to show him as the son of God, shows him as great, excuse me, as the son of man, shows him as he who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And then when we turn to John, John reveals Jesus as God, as the Son of God, as fully equal with God the Father and God Holy Spirit. You can read it in John chapter 1, verse 1. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, capital W. The Word was with God and the Word was God. We know he's speaking of Jesus Christ. Then you can turn to John chapter 20, and you can read that in verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you will have life in His name. So it's important that we understand why John is writing, and what he's trying to bring out and bring forth. He wants every one of us to see that Jesus is fully God and fully man. That he was there when the worlds began. He spoke by his word everything that we see into existence. He is eternal. He is almighty. And he is God. So we ask ourselves, what would this Jesus who is God say to us today? What would he say about the political situation? What would he say about the current climates in our culture? What would he say about broken and fractured relationships? What would he say about gender dysphoria and the LBGTQ agenda? I already told Zach YouTube's going to take this down, so make sure you're recorded in another place. They're famous for that. If I say anything that their, quote, censors don't like, boom, it's gone. I'm going to say some things this morning that they don't like. I'm going to speak some things today that goes against culture, against popular opinion, because I want us to know what Jesus would say. It's interesting that the assistant secretary for the Department of Health, his name is Rachel Levine. And it's interesting that last week he said, now they want you to call her a she, but I'm not going to do that. He said that he was an expert on mental disorders and food disorders. And I'm sitting there looking at that thinking, you're a fat man thinking he's a woman and you think you're an expert. Interesting, isn't it? And our culture buys that. 
Oh, I shouldn't have said fat. I should have said obese, right? I'm sorry to offend you. Get over it. The world today is filled with hungry, unsatisfied people, but they're looking in all the wrong places. The world today has been driven by a doctrine of demons. You said, I don't believe that. Read 1 Timothy chapter 4, and Paul will tell you that's exactly what will happen in the last days. Even believers will be seduced by doctrines of demons and will fall away. Our world is looking for connection. They're looking for understanding. They're looking for love, compassion. They're looking for identity and purpose. But they're not looking to the one who can provide all those things. Rather, they're looking to Satan and his kingdom of darkness. Can I tell you that our government is being propelled by Satan today? If you don't believe that, wake up and smell the roses. They're trying to force down the throats of Americans ungodly, unbiblical things that we should never agree with or tolerate. Sadly, however, much of the church, and when I use the word church, I don't mean this church. I mean the church as a whole, universal, every denomination, throw it in. Sadly, many in the church have bought into the lies of the devil. They've accepted these things. The United Methodist Church just went through a split over ordaining homosexuals to ministry. Matter of fact, I was talking to a man two weeks ago. I didn't initiate the conversation, and somehow I just fall into these things. But he said to me, talking about this, he had changed churches because the church he had went to for over 25 years split off from the United Methodist Church because they didn't agree with that stance and doctrine. And he said, we left that church and went to another church because, and this is his quote, man, love is love. No, it's not. Be not deceived. Many in the world today are deceived by the doctrines of demons. What would Jesus say about the condition of the church? I love that song, Firm Foundation, break down all my traditions, break down all my religion. Folks, it's time to let God overhaul you and me. It's time for God to do a deep work that cleanses and purges and removes everything that has been saturated in our hearts and minds by the spirit of the Antichrist and the spirit of the world. And once again, for you and I to attune to the spirit of the Most High God and the voice of Jesus Christ. Some of you need to stop doing some stuff that you're doing. Stop watching some stuff that you're watching. Stop listening to some stuff that you're listening to. Listen, I'm, I'm going to go way out on a limb here. It is not to your spiritual advantage or benefit to listen to any commentator or talk show host who is more interested in the government of the United States than in the government of the kingdom of God. 
I'm telling you, folks, you're going to get sidetracked. You're going to get derailed. You're going to get off course. They may be good people. I personally don't know them. I can't speak to that. But I'm telling you, Sean Hannity doesn't take you to Jesus. Come on, somebody, you need to hear me today. It's time to open your eyes and understand what you take in will eventually take over. It's time to remove some stuff that you're taking in so God can see you. What would he say about the condition of the church? We're told now that to be a faithful church member, you attend once a month. You know the problem? The only time the American church hears the word of God is when they drift in and sit down in a sanctuary. Because we no longer dust off the book. We no longer open the pages. We no longer read it to our children. We no longer instill in them the foundations of God's word. We allow them to drift. We allow them to believe anything that's taught in the schools. It's time to come back to what would Jesus say? What would Jesus say? What do you say about the woke agenda? I told you what that means. Willingly overlooking known evil. What would he say about that? What would he say about a culture that believes wrong is right and right is wrong? You see, there is a hunger in mankind. There is a desire for something greater than himself. Why is it there? Because God put it there. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, and he put eternity in their hearts. God created in each one of us a desire for something greater than ourselves, but it's being filled with things from the enemy. Our text this morning is found in the sixth chapter of John. To give you the context, the background, what I'm going to read in just a moment. Jesus had went to Capernaum, his ministry headquarters, leaving the crowds behind him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. When they heard he was here, they came towards him and to him. And he saw a great multitude, it says in John chapter 1, or John chapter 6, pardon me, they were coming to him. He sat down on the side of that mountain, and then he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed these many? He created it in John chapter 6, verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that we may eat? Look at verse 6. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Somebody in this room needs to hear this this morning. He knows your problem before you ever see it. He has the solution to your dilemma before it ever arrives at your door. He knows how he's going to take you through before you ever realize you need to be taken through. Jesus has the answer for every circumstance and every situation you and I encounter. All we have to do is let him do what he's going to do. He already knew what he was going to do. Then Andrew said... There's a boy here with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring it to me. They broke it. He blessed it. They distributed it. And every person was fed to the full. Now when he asked Philip the question, 
Philip said, even if we had thousands of dollars, we couldn't buy enough bread just to give them a little snack. But Jesus took what was available, he blessed it, he broke it, they distributed it, and every man, woman, boy, and girl were filled to contentment. Hear me, friend, you're worrying about things you shouldn't be worrying about. You're spending time trying to figure out things he's already resolved. It's time to trust him. He knew what he was going to do before he asked Philip that question. He understood there was a need to feed these people. He understood they needed nourishment. So we continue to read the scripture. And it says, after they were filled, they wanted more bread. Once wasn't enough. We found the gravy train. Let's get some more while we're here. They wanted to be fed again. And they followed him because of his miraculous signs and his wonders. You see, in that instance, that crowd was applying a temporary solution to an eternal problem. The problem wasn't bread. The problem was their soul. The problem wasn't their stomach, their belly. The problem was their spirit. And after feeding them and them not understanding what he's saying, then he says in verse 35, and this is our text, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He believes in me shall never thirst. Now there's a lot of debate among biblical scholars about those first two words, I am. But I don't think Jesus did anything without intention and without purpose. And I believe that when he stood up and he said, I am the bread of life. He was saying, I am Jehovah. I am God. I am Yahweh. He was thinking back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when Moses said, who should I tell them has sent me? And God said, you tell them, I am has sent you. I've come to tell you this morning, he's still the great I am. He is still Jehovah. He is still Yahweh. He's still able to provide whatever you need, whenever you need it. He is, I am. I am. See, when we come to Jesus, when we believe in him, we will never hunger, we will never thirst again. That's what he said. I didn't say that. My words are meaningless and pointless, but his words are life. That's what he said. If we come to him, we'll never hunger or thirst again. You say, well, that's applying to spiritual things. It doesn't address our physical need. Why don't you read verse 33? Because he addressed it. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What things? Your food, your clothing, the shelter, the necessities of life. He will provide if you put him first. If you seek God's kingdom first. But too often, we seek the solution to our problems before we seek his solution. He said to those folks that wanted more bread, I am the bread of life. And if you come to me, you will never hunger and you'll never thirst again. He was addressing their spiritual need first and foremost, but he was also saying in the previous verse, I will take care of you. Americans say, yeah, well, but 
That just says food, clothing, and shelter. I need a lot of other things. You really don't. We've cluttered our life with so many things that so often they get in in the way of us seeing God. Our possessions then become our chains. And they prevent us from doing what God wants us to do and going where God wants us to do, go and saying what God wants us to say. Folks, can I tell you today, when we declutter our lives, we see Him clearer. We hear His voice louder. We begin to follow Him in faith. There are I don't know if I'm talking to somebody here today or not, but I'm telling you, there are so many people who start life behind the eight ball. They've got to have this, that, and something else. They get head over heels in debt. And then God starts talking to them about following Him. And they say, but I can't. i got to work two jobs. i got to work three jobs. I don't have time to go to church. I can't follow God. All I can do is occasionally catch a devotion on you verse. Declutter your life. Live debt-free. Let God speak into your spirit and show you the things that He has for you. I know so many men and women who have said to me, I feel God's calling me into the ministry, but because of the clutter, because of the attachment, because of the chain, they can't abandon all and follow Him. Until you're willing to abandon all, you'll never follow Him. I'm talking to some of you right over here. You need to understand the pattern that's been set before you by the Western church is wrong. It's not about getting all I can get and canning all I can get. It's about releasing everything into the Father's service. It's about following Him. Out of that group, God wants to raise evangelists and missionaries and pastors and teachers and worship leaders. Out of that group, God wants to rest upon you with a mighty anointing and say to you, my plans are greater than your plans. If you'll submit to me and follow me, I'll show you the way. But until you do, you'll never discover all the things he has for you. The world offers a lot of things to satisfy that hunger, to satisfy that thirst in place of the bread of life. The world offers power, money, fame, pleasure. And we begin to think if I can just get enough power, if I can just get enough money, if I can just get enough fame, if I can just get enough pleasure, then that will be enough. See, what we have done is we have convinced ourselves that if we can get enough, we'll be enough. And that's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. I'm here to tell you, the poorest saint in the dirtiest village on the backside of Bangladesh who knows Jesus, is in love with Jesus, who doesn't have two pennies to rub together, who has to pray his food in every morning, is more happy and more content than most of us who have all this stuff. How do you know? I've been there. I've seen it. I've talked to him. Friend, we need to understand we have so cluttered the gospel, we no longer hear the voice of God. We no longer understand He is the bread of life. He's all we need. He's all we need. When we come to Him, when we believe in Him, He says you will never thirst again. 
You will never hunger again. The things that the world leaves, leaves you empty. It leaves you feeling used. It leaves you wanting more. But when you taste of the bread of life, there is such fulfillment. There is such satisfaction. There is such contentment that no one or nothing can take it away from you. When you taste the bread of life, the bread of life never spoils. The bread of life never passes. The bread of life never leaves. Oh, come on. He said, I am the bread of life. He is Jehovah. He is the God who is always with us. And under that name, he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Oh, he's Jehovah Nisi, his banner and victory over me. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals this old broken body. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who gives me peace. Will somebody say, thank God for the great I am. Thank God for Jesus. He's the great I am. See, when we taste of the world's pleasures, trying to satisfy a hunger given to us by God, they're short-lived. Often they leave us feeling sick, underappreciated, unloved. Because the things you acquire will never satisfy the desires God built in you. You can have a beautiful house and a new car and three new cars in your garage. You can have a beautiful wife and a handsome husband and wonderful kids, but it will never satisfy what God put in you. Because He put eternity in your heart. And until you taste of the bread of life, You'll always be searching. You'll always be grasping. You'll always be trying to fill that void without success. But when you take of the bread of life, when he begins to feed your soul, when his word, when his love, when his grace, when his mercy begin to flow through you, something happens and deep contentment and satisfaction and realization begin to flood your spirit, which affects your mind and changes your attitudes and your habits and your desires and your priorities. Then you have something to hang on to. Last night, Amy, at that conference, Damien, the young man that spoke first, He's talking about the times that God, without him even knew it, knowing it, had his hand on him. Before he ever got saved, God had his hand on him. I like to say it this way. God's mercy keeps us till God's grace finds us. Some of you need to hear that today. You're in that place where you're kept by the mercy of God, but he's brought you here today to find his grace, to know his love, to receive his forgiveness, to take the bread of life. The bread of life. When we partake of the bread of life, he strengthens us in weakness, comforts us in sorrow, Heals us in sickness. Guides us in confusion. He's the source who sustains us and cares for us from that moment forward. He's the bread of life. Psalm 34, 8 says it this way, O taste and see, the Lord is good and blessed is the man who trusts in Him. 
The Amplified translates that word blessed this way, happy, fortunate. To be envied is the man who knows him and takes refuge in him. Oh, come on, folks. There's a lot to be said for being blessed. There's a lot to be said for being happy. There's a lot to be said for living under the presence of an almighty God and feasting at his table every single day. She's come to tell us today, I'm the bread of life. He would say to our culture, I'm the bread of life. He would say to those that are in gender dysphoria, I'm the bread of, oh, hear me. Jesus never once condemned any sinner, neither do we. But when sinners came to him and found his forgiveness, he didn't leave them in the situation they were in. But rather his power transformed them and gave them the courage, the strength, the ability, the wisdom to move out of that situation of sin into eternal life. Hear me today. You want to hear me today. I'm not condemning anyone. I am saying, if you come to Jesus, he's not going to leave you a homosexual. He's going to change you. If you come to Jesus, he's not going to leave you thinking, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. If you come to Jesus, he's not going to leave you so confused and turned upside down that you think wrong is right and right is wrong. When you come to Jesus, he takes all that out. He transforms you. He renews you. He recreates you and makes you a new person. See, we've steered away from that. Pastors no longer preach that because they're afraid of repercussions. Matter of fact, it's interesting to note that there are now pastors in evangelical churches who refuse to address from the pulpit the issues that we're talking about today. And they refuse to address it because they have family members caught in that lifestyle. And they just can't find a way to say, this isn't the will of God for your life. Folks, I've come to tell you today, it doesn't matter if one of our kids or grandkids derail. I will not change my position from the Word of God. God's Word is true, it's accurate, it's vital. And it's time for you and I to step up and say, it never changed. We changed. It never conforms to the world. We conform to the world. Oh God, help us once again to hear what Jesus would say. Worship team, come back, please. The world is filled with promises. They're pervasive. They're alluring. They shine like diamonds and gold in front of our eyes. Promises of wealth. Promises of power and fame and pleasure. Promises of the pursuit of knowledge or wisdom will get us where we want to go. And we think if we can just get enough of these things, we'll be enough. The harsh reality is these things leave us feeling empty and disappointed. These things leave us shipwrecked, abandoned. Ask the guy that sacrificed everything to get to the top of the ladder. And when he gets there, there's no one left around him. His wife has walked out. His kids have rebelled against him. 
He's standing there with all this success, all this fortune, but nothing to satisfy. We've got to come to understand that what the world offers is not the solution to our problems. Rather, He is the bread of life. Jesus is the answer. Think about it. If we pursue wealth, it leads to greed and materialism. If we pursue power, it leads to corruption and tyranny. Well, I don't know a thing about that. You don't? The FBI said this city was the most corrupt city, little city in the nation. I'm going to say something here that you may not like. The corruption hasn't stopped in Tallahassee because three people went to federal prison. When you look at our government, all we're doing is revolving people in the same places. And until God changes the heart of those people, there will be no change in the way Tallahassee is governed or the corruption that has stained this city for years and years and years. Word of God speak. Word of God speak. The pursuit of fame leads to vanity and narcissism. The pursuit of pleasure leads to hedonism and addiction. The pursuit of knowledge and wisdom leads to arrogance and pride. Every one of these things are transient. They're fleeting. There one moment, gone the next. Wealth can be lost. Power can be overthrown. Fame can fade. Pleasure can dull. Knowledge and wisdom can be surpassed. But Jesus' words will never fade away. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. John said it this way. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Lives forever. False promises pass away, but the promises of God never fail. If He's never failed me yet, why would He now? He won't. He won't. He won't. When we come to Him, when we hear the words, I am the bread of life. There is an assurance in us that says in him, you will never hunger and you will never thirst again. Doesn't mean we won't have challenges in this physical life. It means that those challenges will be handled by the God who saw them before they ever occurred, who has a solution to them before they ever came into our lives. God's promises never fail. First Peter, or excuse me, Second Peter, chapter one, verses three and four. Peter writes it this way. He said, "His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue." I want you to hear the next verse. 
and by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world oh come on friend when you come to Jesus he changes your nature that carnal nature that sin nature that nature that's all consumed with self dies and it creates in you a new nature and this says it's a divine nature that's why Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2 now let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus oh come on friend it's time to understand when we partake of the bread of life God changes us and then our circumstances our happiness our contentment our peace is not dependent upon our performance or our possessions or the approval of others it's all about Jesus and he's saying to this culture today I am the bread of life I am the satisfaction for your hunger I am the one who can take you through and lead you out stand your feet with me across this room elders and deacons come right now please when you come face the congregation you're in this room this morning and you're hungry there is a gnawing in your spirit you've never been able to satisfy no matter how much money how much fame how much notoriety how much pleasure you've experienced nothing changes inside of you nothing changes he's saying to you today I am the bread of life but perhaps you're in this room this morning you say I've lived for him for some time but I've never really fully committed to all that he has for me I've let distractions get in the way life get in the way and this morning I'm saying he's the bread of life and I'm going to partake he's going to satisfy and fulfill me right now as Haley begins and the worship team comes and begins to sing I want you to step out and come this morning God's talking to you he's drawing you stand in front of the, one of these elders and deacons they're going to pray for you and pray over you you need the bread of life don't walk away without it this morning step out and come let God do a work in your heart and in your life today online respond to, respond to him right now submit to him right now allow him move in your heart and life right now because he is the bread of life step out and come he's waiting for you there's no shame there's no disgrace there's joy and celebration when we finally say I want Jesus the bread of life step out and come this morning we're waiting on you we're waiting for you you made it to the end of the message and now what is God leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7. 
plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.